Water is for hippies. I am your host, Jordan Risky of the Nimrods Podcast, brought to you by Risky Outdoors. If you guys haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a good rating, leave some comments. We want to hear from you. If you are interested in watching some of the hunts that we might be talking about in future episodes, you can do so at Risky Outdoors on YouTube and subscribe to that channel. We would be much obliged. We started this podcast simply to talk to Michigan hunters about killing big Michigan bucks. So, If that sounds like you and you have some interest, we would definitely want to talk to you. Go over to RiskyOutdoors.com, our contacts page. Shoot us a little message. We'll tell you what it's all about. We want to get you guys on here. It's easy. We are just simply talking big Michigan deer. We all love talking about it. We love hearing about it. So shoot us a message. On this episode, we have my good buddy Andy. Cassandra and I have the opportunity to pick his brain on his 2018 deer season. And without further ado, we are going to get the yuppie on the line here shortly. All right, so we got Andy Plum on the phone here. A.K.A. Yuppie. A.K.A. <laughs> yuppie. Uh, just going to chat with you about this awesome buck that you had the opportunity to harvest this year. Um but first, before we dive into that, Andy, I just want to know kind of a little bit about you, what you do, uh, you have a family, um, and just kind of how you got into deer hunting. Sure. Uh, name's Andrew Plum. Uh, some people might know me as Petey or Yuppie. <laughs> I don't really like Yuppie, but everyone kind of gets a kick out of it, so I go along with it. But uh, I got a family, a uh, wife, and I uh, got a little boy's about two and a half years old, Anderson. So, um, a little bit, uh, how I got into hunting. Um, it's actually your brother, Josh. Um, I remember it was probably, I want to say it was 17. And, uh, I always remember making fun of Josh about hunting and (laughs) wondering why he really liked to sit out in the woods. And I just never understood why he would go sit in a tree and look at a cornfield but uh i remember you took me we went into your dad's um wooden stand wooden stand but uh in the the big uh, in the big oak tree in the big oak tree we went up in that stand and i didn't even have a bow (laughs) and i just remember some does coming close and my heart started pumping and i didn't even have a bow and i wasn't even shooting and from that second i was hooked that's awesome. And, uh, so, yeah, I owe it all to your brother, actually. That's, that, un- uh, that's unfortunate. Got me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I've, he's got to, uh, you know, i got to live that story with him, you know, for the rest of my life, him getting me into it. So That's but, awesome. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that he did because I don't know if I ever would have, so. That is, that yeah. is, that is cool, but, yeah, very unfortunate. Josh, <laughs> as a lot of guys know, is just an absolute killer when it comes to whitetails and it's so unfortunate because he consistently kills deer and it gets under my skin and he does not let anyone forget it but <laughs> i'd say more like a yeah. savage is a better title for him yeah. he is a savage yeah. so anyway the reason we bought you brought you on this podcast is simply we want to talk about this deer that you killed um this year so just kind of first off, just explain a little bit about the buck that you had a chance to harvesting, and then we'll kind of dive into a little bit more detail. Sure, sure. I shot a, uh, it was on November 17th, uh, second day of gun season. Uh, I remember it was a Saturday, 
like 10 point had, uh, didn't have, it was shorter timed, but it was thick all the way around. And it was, uh, almost a 23 inch inside spread. And I'd only seen the buck one time. Um, not, um, not in the field, but we had a trail cam picture of him in, uh, 2016. And I remember I was hunting that deer the rest of that season, that deer and this other nine point and, uh, never saw it. And, uh, that was the first time I, I seen it live in the field was that day. Um, so what, it, what but, yeah, it? he scored a, a 139 and some change. Okay. Um, I don't know the net score. I'm, we don't care. You know us. <laughs> you know us in net scores. It's if there's a bone on it, we're we're scoring it. Absolutely. So, yeah. We don't want we any. Are. We don't want any of that BS deduction. We want to know <laughs> right. what, what. That's what adds the character too. I don't like when you deduct it for being off and well, all exactly. that junk. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So he was uh twenty, almost twenty three inches inside, and he was Jeez. he was thick all the way around. He yeah. was, and pictures really don't do justice. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a lot of people tell me like. Boy, the, the the pictures didn't even tell how wide this buck really was. Yeah. And usually pictures you can, it's like that fish story, you know, where the hands look the size of your whole body because you get so close to the right. camera. So that's right. saying something if people say that the pictures don't do it justice. Yeah. I had the pleasure to come out and help you actually drag that deer out, and it, it was impressive. I, I didn't realize how wide he was till we got him out of, out of the swamp and out into a field and really took a look at him. He's... He is a freaking cool deer. You know, it's funny, like, you you and Josh were the first ones I called after I shot that deer. And, you know, I didn't know how big he was. I just remember he, you know, he just 23 inches inside spread. I mean, I just remember him trucking through this tall grass. And it was a no-doubter. I didn't know it was a 10-point. Um, and I really, you know, even when we walked up on it, I don't think we really, I think we were just counting the moment there. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't realize how big or wide he really was until we got him out and drug him out in that field. And until I really saw a picture, just because you're going through the motions and it's just a whirlwind, and until I saw the picture, and really in the back of that truck is like, wow, yeah. he is wide. That is a yeah. that's a big buck. <laughs> I, I so remember that's we. My biggest, that's my biggest buck yeah. uh, shot to date. So. We had to turn the, the head sideways so we could fit the, uh, shut the tunnel cover on it. I remember that. <laughs> yes. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. So obviously shot it with a gun. How old do you think? Yep, did, shot it with a gun. How old, did Danny ever tell you how old he thinks he you was? Know, he didn't, but we were pretty much certain he was over, he was at least five and a half yeah. and, and maybe even older, okay. uh, maybe a six and a half, but. You know, in that picture that I got when he, um, in 2016, he, he looks like a good three and a half or maybe even a four and a half then, um, in 2016, he was big and wide then. So, yeah. um, he, he was an older deer for sure. Gotcha. And we just, we don't know exactly, but he, he was a mature buck for sure. Yeah. So I, what do you think it was? I know. Obviously, you had opportunity at a lot more deer than just that deer, and you unfortunately had a giant nine-point that I ended up chasing that everyone saw pictures of because we were trying to keep people updated as essentially three of us were hunting it, you, Phil, and myself. Um, 
Even Josh saw it a few times. But um, fortunately, and, and he was tagged out. Well. He was tagged out though, so that's that's yes. a good thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a good thing because lock me out. He he would be the one to shoot it. Unfortunately, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no. Tell us tell us a little bit about like kind of what you did your game changing move that you feel like you had or was it, you know, what was it that gave you that opportunity to harvest that deer? Well, I think. It was it was the rut. So I was I went to a stand that I know in that general time frame um, I'm gonna see decent decent bucks and I, I was close to dull bedding area and I actually it's I remember telling you I I called you and I said hey there's this big eight point down in this bush mm-hmm. um, with this dull. And I literally was, I don't want to, maybe two minutes from getting down from that stand because I, I've had it twice where there's been a buck with a with a doe where I can't shoot it. And we, the area I'm hunting, it's got tall grass and we can sneak around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember twice that I, I let deer just, just sit there and not come out and I didn't do anything about it. And I told myself this time, I'm getting down, and I'm going to get myself in a position where if he gets back up with this doe, I'm going to have a shot at him. Hmm. And I don't know why, just I looked up and I saw these three bucks and this doe up on the neighbor's property and uh, chasing this doe, and all of a sudden they started coming down, coming down the hill, and I knew they were coming straight for me. So um, I was just in the right area. At the right time, a little luck obviously involved, but uh, I was at least in a dull batting area where I knew I was going to have at least a chance or maybe see a, a decent buck. So I don't know if I had a game-changing moment, but I was in an area where I was going to have a potential to possibly see a big deer. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting, Andy, you bring up, you know, kind of, the thought of going after them and kind of being more on the pursuit versus the defense. You know, in Jordan, Iron Montana, that's kind of all it is, spot and stalk. What's your take on that? Have you had success in the past, or are you feeling like white till you're typically more of a sit and wait in the stand kind of guy? Well, I've been – that's been – that's kind of the next where I'm going next um, in my involving in this hunting is uh, trying to be a little more mobile and a little more aggressive. I think there's times where – there's a killable deer and I just am not aggressive enough. And, uh, I took last year was the first time I started getting really mobile on deer and, and not sitting in the same spots over and over and over again. So, uh, if I didn't see those deer, I was getting down and I was going to get aggressive on it and do a little spot and stalk. Cause there was, uh, another buck going in there and trying to get them. He was getting up. I just didn't have a shot. So I, I would have had an opportunity to at least get around and maybe have a shot. So um, I think where I'm hunting, you can do a little more spot and stock just with the tall grass that I have. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to start start trying to get a lot more aggressive. We ought to keep us posted. Tactics. I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, and I know I know you and I talk quite a bit about that because I am, I'm overly aggressive, and sometimes that gets me in trouble. And obviously that's why I'm interviewing people that kill big bucks because I don't because I don't get to do that. And <laughs> well, you know I don't get too much. Either. I see a lot of big bucks, but uh, no. You know. And 
And another guy we're gonna have we're gonna have Phil Holton on the podcast, and we're not. I mean, as you guys know, like when Phil and I get together, usually he kills a big deer, and it's not <laughs> no, you me. You guys make things happen. We make things happen, but he's my equalizer. I like to say so. Like he sure. he calms me down a little bit and and keeps me from just getting up and just going all the time. He's a very patient hunter and makes the moves at the right time. I, at I the think, right time, yeah. He, he, he waits for the opportunities. He's good at it. Yep. And, I, and I'm with you. I feel like, yeah, I'm going to get aggressive, but there's going to be times where I'm going to get too aggressive. So you still, I think you can be aggressive, but you just can't be overly aggressive. And you got to make sure that you're doing it at the, at the right times. Yeah. You got to find so, that, find that happy medium. And yeah, sometimes it's hard to tone back for me. And then for like, I know you and Cassandra, sometimes it's hard to, kind of push push the paddle yeah, and go I just I I just get so nervous of blowing a deer out and, right you know the more and more I just I I read in and research and listen to podcasts on uh on these big buck killers they they push the envelope and uh I just I'm, I'm realizing I have to I have to push it a little more or I'm going to watch them. I'm going to be one of those National Geographic guys just watching them. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, Andy, is the reason that, the reason that just, you shot your buck, though, is because you held out, and luckily you had the eyes to see him coming down right before. Heck, if right. I was in your position, I'd probably be packed up, my gear on my back, and I'm halfway down the ladder, and I see this massive buck. That would be my luck because I have the eyes of a... Well, I don't it, know. It was tough because I saw that buck. Yeah. At seven thirty in the morning, and oh. I shot the and I shot the buck probably about eleven. Yeah, it so was I late. really knew he was in that general area, and I videoed him for a good hour, and he was in that general area for a good three hours, and it was tough sitting there. I was waiting, just patiently waiting for that doe to get up and come over by me, and finally, I just got to the point of I got to make something happen. Yeah, but I'm just lucky that I just looked up at the right time and saw those deer because if I was starting to try to get down, I those deer probably would have saw me and wouldn't even come come my way. So Yeah. So next thing I want to move into is is kind of the, the land and kinda of, kind of like what what it's like. I don't want you to explain kind of where you are um, sure. or anything like that, but um, how many acres because I your your guys' situation is it's pretty awesome because a lot of people are are thinking you know these guys are hunting the cream of the crop places well guess what you know maybe it's finding the cream of the crop place and either getting permission or you know it, it's very feasible to to buy land it's people sure. don't people don't understand that it, it is it can be done you just got to find the right piece of property so just kind of explain how many acres you have access to and how many you guys own and kind of how you went about that and then maybe a little bit about the property like kind of how how it lays out sure well as you know uh just in the right time right spot right time and uh you know i got in with your brothers and uh i mean just we a dream come true really that uh that we got to uh, buy this land together. Um, it's 63 acres of river bottom. Uh, there's a little hardwoods, but it's mostly uh, big buck deer bedding, tall grass, a lot of, 
a lot of dead trees and, and bushes and uh it's tough hunting just because um there's not a lot of spots to put stands um a lot of dead trees and and really tall grass so it's tough um saddle hunting yes no that's you know we've talked about <laughs> oh it, here huh? we go more saddle hunting um there's just because plug. that's that's another reason why you get limited um and your aggressiveness because there's just not a lot of places to take a hang on or, or a ladder stand or so yeah but um yeah so like you said we got lucky with 63 acres we lease uh, another i believe 120 uh, more for access we don't really hunt it it's uh, it's more for access but uh one of the fields that we do lease uh particularly has a lot of deer on it so uh, <laughs> we're fortunate where, where we get to hunt um i will say before this i i hunted uh, a lot of field edges and it was tough and not not easy i mean lucky to see maybe one big buck maybe twice a year yep. if, if you're lucky and uh it's very tough and i'm very fortunate it opened my eyes to some big deer this uh this property and uh yeah just very fortunate and but it's glad that it all worked out definitely but it's definitely feasible for the average guy to go out and and get property absolutely it is um you know there's so many sites now that you can find uh um properties on but you know if you got hunting buddies that want to want to go in together and they're passionate about it it's it is very feasible it's it's surprising where you're like oh i'm gonna go buy land and it's like boy i don't have that kind of money but actually in reality it's not as much as uh as everybody thinks it is so yeah um, you know really do some research and and there's ways to get uh you know you don't have to have these big 200 400 600 chunks of of um, acres. I mean, you can get it done on forty and thirty and sixty and sixty if yeah. you got the right. Um, you know, everything's you got the right area and, yeah. and stuff on the on the property that you know has big bucks and and that's the thing you can make your property into something like that. So definitely. And also being friends with the neighbors who also manage. <laughs> well, absolutely. Good property yeah, too. No, we got great neighbors too. Was selling. And his uncles, they they do a good job managing their property, and that helps as well. So yeah, and that's that's kind of the most important thing that like everyone talks about is know your neighbors. Well, sometimes you're not fortunate enough to know your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't happen. I mean, Sonner and I just picked up a piece of property, and we didn't know any of our neighbors. But really, talking to the landowners before you go in and purchase it is is huge. It's like, huge. Absolutely. If, if you don't know and um just getting to know those neighbors and i know that you guys you you simply lease the property around you like you said not even to hunt it's access if you if you guys did not have that property leased it would be almost that property would be almost unhuntable or it i don't even know if you'd see the deer you'd blow them all out you really would i unless you just every time we're we're going into the river and, and accessing, which I'm going to do a lot more this year, mm-hmm. access from that river. Um, but uh, you, it would almost be unaudible, to be truthful, yeah. um, if you didn't have that access. If you didn't have that access, you, you're hunting 60, what did you say, 63 acres or 63. something? 63. acres. To get to the back of that and truly hunt it, it would take you hours. 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 You, would, you know, it would get to the point where it would just be 
so hard to even mm-hmm. to do it. You you would take the easy way out and essentially it, ruin your property. It would ruin it would ruin every hunt if mm-hmm. if you took the easy way. Hundred percent. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. Like a lot of guys, I mean. It, it's plain and simple. You have to sacrifice if you want to buy land, one, because yes. you're going to have to make sacrifices in your lifestyle and things like that. You're going to have to do things so you can make your payments. Um, there's just different levels of deer hunters and guys that just simply want it more. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, no, I, I, I know a lot about your property and everything that you guys are doing on there. And, I love the point that you said that you can you can make it, you can buy a forty acre piece and make it into just a a buck nest. And a buck nest, absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 a great word. It is a buck nest. I've it's it's incredible how many deer we see and how many bucks in the caliber. And um, yeah, no, I just I'm excited for this upcoming season and the next season and just it's a uh, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun, and then you know, I mean, it, even if you weren't a big buck hunter, and it's just it, it's fun seeing deer. It, it makes it a lot funner to go out, and you know, every time you go out, you feel like I'm gonna have the potential to shoot a one thirty, one forty. That's know, a great m- feeling. Most yeah. times going out, it is a great feeling, and I think that gives you a little more confidence, and it makes you want to work a little harder because yeah. you know the end goal could be your biggest deer mm-hmm. so you don't always take those shortcuts and um I, i've realized that the last couple of years I, I not not that i was taking shortcuts the first couple of years but i i noticed ways that i worked a lot harder to to try to get on big deer and, and kill bigger deer so yeah for sure that's awesome and then the other thing too is i know like looking Looking at property is finding does. You got to find where the does yes. are. Um, your guys' property, the doe to buck ratio is phenomenal in that yeah. in that area. Um, and I know you guys do harvest harvest does, not as many as you guys would like. Right. Um, yeah, no, we we probably need to uh, to harvest more. Um, but it, it's tough sometimes because you're you're going in saying, "Hey, I'm gonna shoot it." shoot a doe but it's like hey get, see a couple bucks you know i got i gotta hold out here I'm, there might be a big one that comes through but yeah. we've got we've got to harvest a few more does i think you know in general you know even kind of our little circle there we we, we got to take a few more does we do take some does off but um we yeah. we do we we need to get a couple more off you guys do something pretty cool i like this year i know you took out a couple people that really needed needed some help in harvesting some does to kind of fill the freezer for the for the winter good thing yeah. we did because this winter's been brutal and sucks brutal. yes but um, as we know after this last weekend uh that was yeah. <laughs> kind of a heartbreaking uh couple pictures he sent me this weekend so yeah on our property we're, we're gonna actually got more we're gonna talk about that when i get phil on here and kind of explain sure. a little bit more about that and our our thoughts but so well, the next section we're just gonna a, a quick kind of matter of opinion. This is gonna it's rapid fire, rapid fire oh, kind rapid of. Fire. So, I like it. what's uh, what's the single most important piece of gear that you take into the woods with you? Binoculars for sure, especially in the land I hunt um, with that tall grass. I will say one, I, I left them behind one hunt this year, and it was 
Yeah, I almost got down. It was it was brutal not having my binoculars. So finals number one. For I think sure. I think Jordan would agree with that. And he, uh, it's funny because I get really bad headaches looking through binoculars. <laughs> so it's like the big jokes I never use. And he's like, I would never leave this team without him. Okay, what about what's the next one? Like, what's let's just say top three. Top three. Um, you got your binos. I'm off. I'm off. I get pretty cold. Yep. And I, I think it's, I've got to have it, my hands in there, just keeping them warm. It keeps me on staying longer. I've noticed I, I can stay out a lot longer. Um, and obviously bow hunting, release. Yeah, I could shoot, but I I don't even want to think not having my release. <laughs> I just, it's, it's a long uh, walk back almost, to the truck. It's almost another get down from the stand without a release. It is a get down. Don't ever try to shoot a deer without it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, sometimes you gotta make consequences. Just, you know, sometimes you gotta. Show uh, you all right, Fred. Fred, Fred Barrett. <laughs> um, what's your longest shot that you'll take with a bow during uh, whitetail season? Um. I think 40 yards. Okay. I, I really, because oh, I, I wounded one in 40 this year, but um, 40 yards, I I really rather be in the 30 and under. Um, I just, there's a lot that can go on shooting that long. Not that people can't make that shot, but uh, it's just a lot of air, um, especially when you're shoot, shooting a big deer. I, I like to try to keep them in that 35 and under. I like it. Fixed blade or mechanical? I was mechanical. I'm going fixed this year. I just think there's too many things that can go wrong with the mechanical. Yeah. Um, and I'm just I'm I'm going fixed this year. I just I want to find one that flies good. And uh, I have a suggestion like for that, you. I, I like that. I know Kudu. Dude, um, they're they are mate. That's my plug for this I one. They're, on, they I are amazing. All the way through. Yep. I really do. Uh, good. I'm glad. I'm I'm happy to hear that because <laughs> yes. I. Guys that shoot fix, I get it. Like Josh is a Me mechanical or mechanical. Josh is a huge rage fan, yep. and you know what? It's going to come down to that that one buck that's going to be just giant, and he's that that mechanical's not going to work. It's not going to work. A ricochet yeah. in, in yep. there on a on a bad on it. Say it's a low quarter inch shot, and it ricochets off a bone. And yep. I just I want cut on contact penetration. I just I don't. I don't want to have that feeling of thinking that. Where yep. I'd rather have the fix going, hey, that thing's going to cut all three blades the whole way. Or yep. two. Yeah. Or two. Right whatever. there with you. Whatever hey. You whatever, whatever fixed blades you're using. No. Yeah. Ex- I mean, honestly, being a female, too, it's like I don't pull back that much weight. And so for me, it's like that. Actually, it's the, the broadhead, the kudu, two, the two blade, that's the only one that's ever done pass-throughs for me. And I just, I get nervous. I'm like, man, what if it just hits wrong? Doesn't it expand to your point? Like the the feeling, I don't need one more layer of, of unknown when I, you know, Absolutely. go after a deer. So I'm right there with you. And those guys, like people that are shooting under like, under 50 pounds, there is no way they should be shooting a mechanical broadhead. No way. And, I, and I'll say this, I, I'm shooting 65 and, and that doe I, or that buck I wounded, I didn't get a pass through. And I'm shooting, and I'm shooting 65 pounds. And I, I, I mean, it's always better to have two holes than one, plain and simple. Yep, absolutely. Let that oh. blood get out both, both, uh, both sides. You know, yep. Both sides. For sure. All right. So a little more, a little more controversial uh, topic here. Um, crossbows. Should there be more regulations on them in Michigan? 
I'm uh, I'm for crossbows. Um, I think it gets the youth involved, and I think it keeps uh, the guys that can't pull a bow back anymore, and it keeps them involved. Um, I know a lot of people are against them, and, and they think it's, you know, cheating almost. Um, but I think it just keeps people involved, especially older people that can't, or even people that are injured that can't pull a ball back anymore. So, and, and the youth, it gets them involved earlier. Yep. And I, I have no problems with crossbows. I have, I have like very mixed feelings on it. It's yeah. interesting though, because I mean, Jordan and I will go back and forth on this. To me, like, who am I to judge another hunter? Um, like in my eyes, like one, like just to have people out in the woods is a win. But like in Absolutely. my mind, like the the best, I think we have like responsibility as hunters of, of kind of that ethics of, you know, if I know, if I'm not putting the time, if I don't have the time to your point from, if, if I'm injured, I can't pull that bow back. You know, uh, if, if the crossbow is their option, then that's actually a good realization. And it's a very mature choice, too, at that point. So in my mind, I think, sure. it's, I think it's up to that hunter. And I think that, you know, having that option does, to your point, bring in more youth. Heck, maybe more women that don't hunt that much. Um, you know, so I think I, I would agree with you on this one. I know Jordan has mixed feelings on it. I've, I've, I'm not going to say I'm not gonna <laughs> say my wife couldn't pull back a bow, but I'd rather her being a crossbow exactly. than, than pulling on it a bow back and, and making a shot. Not saying yep. she couldn't practice, but I just think it's easier to get them involved with a, with a crossbow than a compound. Gotcha. In well, my eyes. That, that's my opinion. But Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead since you brought up your wife. Okay. I, I want to challenge you to get her in the woods Ooh. with a crossbow this year and harvest at least a doe. He's calling you out. That is a challenge. <laughs> as long as my wife is cool with it, We'll make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Solid. I, I have tried to get her into it. I think she she wants to, but I think she just, I don't know. But on that note, I will be taking a kid out. So. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Your challenge back to Jordan should be, hey, you come watch Anderson, <laughs> and then he'll take out Ashley. Hey, there you go. Oh, and for probably not everybody knows, we're having another one in September. Woo! She's going to have a handful. That's awesome. Yeah. why I'm trying to hunt. <laughs> yeah. Me and hunting. Oh, and, boy. Oh, my wife does, too. It's a, it's 365. It's just not October through December. Yeah, so. You just got to tell her you're working late. Oh, don't do that. I'd advise <laughs> against that one. All right. So next next thing, uh, real quick, we have, like, I'm going to ask you, like, three more questions. So. Sure. Um, what, if any changes do you think should be made to hunting Michigan, Michigan hunting laws? As far as like, do you believe in antler point restrictions, single buck tags, earn a buck tag, or do you have any other opinions? I think if we keep the, uh, two buck tags, there should be a restriction. Um, if we have a single, I don't think there should be a restriction because, um, you know, not everyone's trophy you know, everyone's trophy is different. And to put a restriction on a one-buck tag uh, could take the fun out of it. Um, you know, not everyone has, say, three weeks or four weeks or five weeks in the year to hunt. Maybe they have maybe, you know, one, one, two, three times the whole year to hunt. And to, to restrict them to shoot a, you know, four on one side, I, I think it's a, a little ridiculous. But, um I would like to see Michigan go to a one-buck tag. Um, yeah. That's just my opinion. But, um, you know, with only 
I, I do like the with the two with having a restriction because you know a lot of people they burn their first tag on a on a smaller deer and yeah and then use that other one for a to to save it. So if you if you didn't have the restriction, you're just having you know yeah two tags and you can shoot whatever you want. And I think as you know as a Michigan hunter, I really would like to see a little more management. So yeah, I think that's the general sense is kind of all over, but. Right. I, I have a little different opinion on, on the whole, I, I, I like, I think it's, I think it might be Utah in there. There's, I think it's Utah. It's one of those Western states, but they have the option of, it's a single buck tag, but you have the option to purchase a second buck tag, but it's at an out of state price. So essentially you're going to pay for your second buck tag, or you just focus on killing a very quality deer on that first buck tag then you're making the state happy as well because not everyone's going to go out and buy that second buck tag simply because they they can't or they just don't want to but for every one you sell you essentially you're paying for the four guys that didn't go out and buy it exactly and i like that because if i if i shot one or a big one i I would go get another one absolutely Yeah, you know, to to try to shoot another big one. I do like the two. <laughs> I do, and I don't like the two buck tags. But yeah, um, I, I kind of like that. Uh, you know, you can buy another one if you because if you it, tag out. Because essentially, you're it, you're focusing, and it's you're spending a lot of, and it's sad. I'm not gonna. I I'll admit that 100. percent It's sad. But if you put a dollar value on it, people are. Uh, people are more conscious, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, they are. They're, and I, I don't want anyone taking. Don't take that the wrong way. Like I'm just. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? I just think that, and like I said, it's just sad. Well, it's, it's sad, it's like, like putting a dollar value on a deer because it's there. It's it's way more than that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I see it working, and I would love to hear like someone argue that point just because I want to. I mean, I don't know. I just think it's different. I would be hard pressed if somebody did argue that, but I'm sure there's somebody out there, but uh, that's the same thing as trying to go to Iowa. You know, it's, you know, you're, you're talking about a 500, $600 tag. You're going to, to me, as we are trying to go out to Iowa, we want a good caliber deer. We're going to be a little patient on what we're looking to get. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Rapid fire. Peeing out of a tree stand, does it hurt or not? <laughs> no. Okay. Next one. Favorite time to hunt? Pick one single day. November 7th. Mm. Okay. I love that day. I've hunted it the last three years, and I've seen some really, really big bucks, and uh, I missed one <laughs> two years ago on that day, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. But uh, that is my go-to date. November 7th. Solid. Favorite podcast to listen to? Favorite podcast? I have been into, man, that's a good one, Jordy, because uh, there's so many good ones. There are. Um, there really are. I'm just going to go with the first one that I really started listening to um, when I started listening to podcasts is Wired to Hunt. Yeah. Um, that's where I really started listening to them. There are a lot of good ones, but he... Uh, He's really good. He, uh, Mark, he some, Mark does a killer job. Yes, he does. He's got some some great guests and does some awesome podcasts. So I listen to to him and then the hunting public kind of get two two completely that, opposite sides of that, everything. You know how we've talked. That was my next one. I, yeah. I think those guys are 
they're doing yeah. something pretty sweet. Um, I like what they're doing. Yeah. The public. Yeah. If if you could hunt with one person, who would it be, dead or alive? Oh, one person. Yep. If you could Holy go on, if you could go on a hunt with one person, dead or alive. Uh, Dan Infault. Dan Infault. Okay. That guy is <laughs> one of a kind. And he's going to get you on a big buck. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go through some of the stuff he does with just underwear on. <laughs> but that guy, yeah. you know how we've talked about that guy. That yeah. guy is one of a kind, and he's the big buck serial killer. Yeah. I want to go with him. Big buck serial killer. Yeah. All right. Bow or gun? I think I know the answer to this. Absolutely both. Hands yeah. down, both. All right. All right. Last two questions. If you could tell your younger self one thing related to hunting, what would it be? It would be, oh, there's a couple. Um, learn how to play the wind. Okay. Be, be more aggressive. Okay. And don't, um, don't bash on people shooting smaller deer. Mm. I like that. It's going. That is solid. Absolutely. Trophies in the eye of the beholder. Absolutely. We've all shot. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and preach to people. We're going to try to interview people that kill big deer because that's our goal. But sure. I've shot my fair share of fork horns and spikes in my hey, life. My first deer was a spike, and mine. I was. I have too, and, I, mm-hmm. and I've been on that side where I've kind of in the back of my head, or, you know, as friends, why did you shoot that? And, you know, you should never say that because it's just. Yeah. I you got know, you. killing deer is hard, and not, not everyone has the same goals. So yeah. we should be happy as a hunting community when anybody um, takes a deer's life. We should all be excited, and For as sure. a hunting community, we should all, you know, have each other's backs. For sure. I like it. All right, and now um, this is the hardest question, and I I, I struggle answering this one. Um, why do you hunt? Why do I hunt? It is the deer adventure and the rush that hunting does. It, there is no other rush compared to hunting. Yeah. And also just, it's like almost appears then for me, you know, the quietness and, and going out and just being one with, you know, mm-hmm. nature really just, you know, now having that property and it's there's nothing better on a more crispy morning. Listen, them ducks come in that on that river and just yeah. there's nothing better. But that I get that rush of a big buck that nothing in the world even compares to it. You know, it's so funny. I feel the same way. It's like it, it's on one spectrum. There's it's one time where everything kind of stops and shuts down. You have that quiet, just peace. And then it's the full other scale that butt comes in and you can't control your heartbeat and you feel like it's gonna jump out of your chest. Like it's crazy it, the the emotional roller coaster that is, hunting brings. And it's such a crazy question <laughs> because so many people ask you that don't hunt. Mm-hmm. And they're like, What? Why do you go out when it's like ten degrees and hunt? Like what makes you wanna get up at four something in the morning? And it's hard to tell a guy that has never done it. Yeah. Until you take them and they just experience the heart pounding. With even a doe, like my first time with Josh, yeah. going, when that doe, that doe just made my heart pump. And it's, until they go experience it themselves, it's it's only you, I, Cassandra, and everyone that you talk to that hunts knows what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to explain. You can't really explain it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like that. Like, 
I I love talking to people that don't hunt because they want to know what it's like. And it is cheesy and as cliche as you say, it's like one with nature when you're out there. But I guarantee you, you've been closer. Every deer hunter has been closer to nature than 99% of the anti-hunters. Guarantee you it. Guaranteed that there's that's absolutely. Guaranteed. You say it better right there. That's, that is absolutely correct. Because, I mean, it's not about harvesting a deer because I'm telling you what, it is one of the saddest things. I almost cry every time I do it just because... It's, it's taking the life of an animal, absolutely. Yeah. Taking a life, yeah. absolutely. It is tough. And you respect the you know, animal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, as you involve, you, you start to even respect it even more. Mm-hmm. And, and you hear these guys, you know, sometimes now it's not even about the kill. It's more of a, it's more of a chase now. Yeah. Of, I had you and I could kill you. Mm-hmm. And and they don't even need to kill to be like, that's, that's all I needed right there. Yeah, like, keep going because... I, I already did it. Like, you're done. Yep. I won. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Andy. Well, I appreciate it, man. We will uh, we'll continue to chat. I'm sure you'll be on the podcast again. I know we're going to do some live podcasts, which awesome. are, are going to be, hopefully, we get you and Josh and, and uh, neighbor in the same room. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I'm privileged you even gave me a call. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a unbelievable big buck killer but i've got a passion for him and i hope uh i hope to continue some success with some bigger deer and that's the goal awesome all right man well i appreciate it all right andy we'll talk to you guys later all right thanks man we'll see ya Thanks again, Andy, for coming on the show. We much appreciated it. If this sounds like something you might be interested in, I mean, if Andy can do it, anybody can do it. You can head over to riskyoutdoors.com, click the contact us link, shoot us a little bio about you and the buck or bucks that you have harvested. We would love to chat with you. As always, thank you guys for listening. Stay stealthy and strive to become a Nimrod.